Do I we wanna, have time well, to go to mailbag? I, I want to jump in there, even if we just cover it briefly, because that's one of the other things about fate I wanted to talk about. So this comes from Matthew from the, the Facebook site. <gasps> Message for you, sir. And he talked about um, how much of a game, like the world, the setting, should come from the DM versus everybody. So Matthew's question revolves around, again, sort of the... the um, the storytelling, everybody coming together cooperatively, not just the story that the DM's telling, but the world that your characters inhabit. And I think he meant that more from like our D&D game. Like we, you know, when we started Made Men, I gave you characters and I told you everything about the world. You, you didn't know anything about the world that I didn't tell you. We started this new game, A New World, same thing. We, we kind of created the characters more together, but the only thing you knew about the world is what related to your backgrounds that we talked about on email but when you got to the game, everything that's going on, I'm creating or have created. You guys have had no influence. In Fate, it's designed. It doesn't mean you do it that way, but it's designed that the first session is you create the setting together, and then you create your characters together. So you, we would sit down and say, what kind of game do we want to play? It can be high fantasy, like D&D. It can be low fantasy, like Dungeon Crawl Classics. It could be a sci-fi story, like Shadowrun. It could be just a, a Deadlands Western. It could be a Supernatural Western. It could be a 1950s noir detective story. I mean, it can, fate is so, you know, it's like GURPS. It can be anything. So the first part of the game is, well, what do we want to play? And, and we would decide that as a group. So it wouldn't be me creating a story. It'd be like, what do you guys want to play in? Okay, we want to play Kung Fu Gorillas with cybernetics. Okay. And there's like a worksheet that you would work through, and you, you decide, you make some decisions about the world that then as the DM I would use, or GM as it's called in this game, or judge, I think, to kind of tell the story. So one, what do you guys think about that from Fate? And then two, what would you think about doing more of that in our traditional D&D games? Do you want to start, Evan, or should I? I guess I will. <laughs> All right, so I think you people have to agree on the setting. And I think that kind of needs to be determined before the game starts. Because some people really dislike certain settings. Um, I think maybe our group is pretty open. But then again, I'm guessing if we went like super future sci-fi Star Trek, I might be the only one that would enjoy that game and nobody else. So I think that kind of needs to be discussed before you even say we're starting a game. Because if nobody's interested in your sci-fi mystery game that's underwater... Then maybe you shouldn't even play it. Sequest DSV. Yeah, extreme. But um, so from that perspective, from the perspective of the setting, I think that needs to be a discussion before you even say, "Hey, we're going to have a regular game on Tuesday," because if people show up, like I would hate to show up somewhere, especially if I didn't know the group very well, and they all say, "Yeah, we're going to play the Star Trek game universe," and I was like, "Man, I." I just wasted my day, and I'm never going back to that gaming group because they're not playing what I want to play. Um, in terms of uh, setting up the environment, one of the things we've been doing is, hey, uh, mention, write, write down two NPCs or three NPCs and how they relate to you and, like, some background. I thought that was cool because then I'm able to say I wasn't really making even NPCs that related to me in a way. I was just, like, some weird character concept that I had or some idea that I was like, oh, yeah, you know what? I saw this movie, then there, there was this innkeeper that was cool, and I could add him. Like, I think for your game, I made a butcher. Yeah. And I also made his wife, and then I also had a very ugly daughter that they were trying to marry, but she was extremely ugly. Like that was kind of like his back. But now I've just given you, if you if you want to go with that, or if anybody says, hey, I want to get some meat, now you have something 
you right. role play with. And so I think that from that, my perspective, that's great. So with that, just I mean, like when I use those NPCs, the goal is that you will create NPCs that the other characters interact with. Like right. That's the hope is that it will eventually cross over and, you know, that. but so far it's been more streamlined. But, but again, I think even with saying that, though, like you guys really didn't know what was going to happen in, in the new game, A New World. All you knew was D&D. It was pretty much traditional D&D with a few Michael twists. But that's all you knew about it. Like you didn't really know much about the game, but you still agreed to come and play. To your point, because I think you know me well enough to know the type of game I'm going to run, and it's it's something you want to play. But how would you feel about if I said, okay, we're going to play D and D, and then just kind of like, what you know, what kind of D and D do you want to play? And ask you guys, would you like that, or would you feel like? Is there a mystery to the game that you enjoy that you don't know stuff? Or uh, it depends on what the game is. Like <clears throat> we. It, in your game that we're playing right now, it makes perfect sense that you created a world that we know nothing about because our create crea- characters just left the world that they know well and went into a world that they know nothing about. So, of course, we should not be able to create this world with you. It doesn't make any sense. Um, in the, our last game, in Made Men, we had lived in this city Mariposa Mm -hmm. for many 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 years and it would make sense if we were to be able to create part of the city which we didn't talk about it like this before so we never actually went into like really creating the city together but there were times when that kind of did happen and the way I'm thinking about it is like Rob didn't map out the tunnel sewer system um, and create it himself but you allowed Rob to say I'm taking them over here and you allowed him to just inherently know how to get there meaning that he knows that place he knows that environment he knows right. you know and we it, did that with even some of the like the taverns like I would say you know you'd say I'm going to the tavern okay and what, well what's the name of it what's the bartender's name and, mm-hmm. and that's one of the things that with next I, I tried to incorporate some of that idea of more cooperative storytelling and it's not something I always have done but it's something I'm trying to do now and I want to continue doing even if we don't play fate but where I give you guys more control but it's different because like for example now that you're in this new world you still could come to me and say you know what would be really cool is if we find this plant and it looks like uh, it looks like a plant, but it's actually like a Venus flytrap. Like, like you create something that I then put into the world because your character still wouldn't know about it. You know, you're in this crazy world with like, you know, Godzilla. You can say, well, what if, wouldn't it be cool if there was like a four winged pterodactyl? So you could still do that now. I think somebody, I think somebody needs to lead the story though. If there's no one leading the story. Or if you gain too much input, I think that can be too confusing. So again, going back to fate, though, that is the way fate works. Is it There's is still somebody hot. controlling the story, though. It's not in fate. Somebody you still have an idea of what's going to happen, but maybe not in very uh, exact specifics. But you might not know whether if there's going to be a boulder or a forest there, but you have an idea that there's going to be an encounter. Right, but like even like like for example, the way it's set up is one of the characters decided that like in their background he said. I'm a disciple of this thing. Well, that thing didn't exist until he created that as his high concept. Mm. So then on the game worksheet, they came up with, well, what is that thing I'm a disciple of? And that became then one of the opposing forces. So the DM took the thing that you created for your character and made it a central 
organization in the game that didn't exist before your character existed. I think that's cool, but I think that's different than saying, oh, there's a Godzilla on this island now. See the difference? So naturally, you do this. And I think everybody does that. When they're about to run a game, you come, and I think you actually specifically said, hey, what kind of game would you like to run? You move, like, brainstorm ideas. And then you're like, okay, they, they said this and this and this and this. And then so you start having an idea that's forming. And then maybe somebody will come up with a character concept that you're like, wait, I can use this a little bit. Oh, you want to be a bodyguard? Well, you're going to be bodyguard for one of the nobles that I wanted to use anyways. That's what you thought in your head right. probably, right? So you naturally do that. But I think if each one of us came up with a crazy idea, especially see if there's forest in an encounter or not or a, bunch, a few trees, it won't change the quantity as much as saying now there's three Godzillas on the island that we're on and they're randomly eating people. But I think what you're saying is um, self-explanatory. Not self-explanatory. I think what you're saying goes without being said. Like, I think when he's saying, what do you think of everyone working together to create the universe? I think even in this person's mind, there's still the DM who's going to give the final say of like, no three Godzillas is too much. That doesn't make sense for the game that I want to do. And I think that that would be normal for for any group or any DM and right. players so, working together. But I think what I like about it is kind of how you said that you like to come up with really creative ways to end a, or to a solution to a problem and with other games also. I find that when I'm in combat, so this is like on a small scale, like say we're in a room, say we're in a tavern, and a fight breaks out, so we're in combat, and I like to find other ways other than just to um, attack, 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 okay, combat's over. I like to ask, is there a big bottle of whiskey on the table? Is there a table here? Is there a rope? attached to the wall here is there a torch is there a lantern who's behind the bar or you know how many tables are there where's the windows because i want to see because in combat i'm not saying you're not you're not looking at me and saying evan <clears throat> tell me what the inside of this tavern looks like because we're about to start combat but i'm kind of paint i'm helping paint the room in the picture anyways just by asking because there's no reason I th I don't think there's any reason to deny or say no to any of that stuff anyways. Right. Like if I say can there be a table here or can there be a bun you know a full whiskey bottle here or something like that then there's no reason to deny or to say no because I obviously have something that I want to do. Right. So I think on a small scale like in combat I think that that's really good where the player and the DM is working together to create the scene because you're going to get why not you're going to get more Memorable, like we're talking about memorable things happening with the wagon on fire and stuff like that. You're gonna get more story-driven things right. and memorable things to come out of it. I, if I think you I'm still I'm happen. thinking higher level. Maybe I'm not asking the question right. And I guess like what the difference to me is in the game we're playing now. It's it's different than if I say, okay, you're in this world you've never been to before. Help me populate it. Versus we came together and as a group we're like, why don't we go to a world we've never been to before? And like and that was your guys' idea, not not mine. Like. Like, in, in one case, I've, I've painted the outline of the picture, and you guys are helping me fill in the details. In Fate, it's a blank canvas, and we, as a group, start painting it all together. Nothing is my story. It's our story. And that's really the way, it, from what I read, the way it's designed, and that's 
vastly different than anything I've ever done. Even well, when I let you guys fill in details, it's still a detail about the world I created that doesn't – it doesn't matter if you call the tavern, you know, Hooters or Denny's, as long as there's a tavern there and there's going to be a waitress named Sally and that kind of thing, versus you saying, okay, we're in a world that doesn't have a Denny's. I don't know if that's a very good example. I understand what you're saying. I And I, I was just – I just wanted to make a point on a smaller scale. Okay. I understand the question that you're asking. Um, I think that going like going back to what I said earlier, it just depends. You said you just gave two different examples. The first example was let's go to this world that we've never, that nobody's ever been to before. It doesn't make any sense for us to create it with you. Each new turn and each new discovery it should it should be a discovery for us the players and the characters so we shouldn't be involved in the creation process but, so but i guess again what i could say there is you could we could let's so let's say we're making up my game okay we're, we've decided as a group that we're going to take our characters to a new world and that's going to be the story you could still say i think there's like you might say i think part of this struggle should be the environment i think lack of resources is something i, I want to explore and i take that and i I build that into the game in, in the way that I think that makes most sense, but it's still your idea. When, you could say, "What you say that though?" Well, I'm just I'm saying that we're we're here the first day. We're going to play Fate in the same world, and we've decided we're going to go to the new world. And that's his his contribution is I think lack of resources would be an interesting idea to explore. And you might have been the one who said, "I think it would be cool if there's these giant, giant monsters. monsters." So the question I have is this. You, does fate say you do that in your first session and then the second session you come in as a G DM or GM or whatever you want to call yourself and say, all right, you are all in a boat. And then you go with that story and then we say, you know what, that boat is blue. Or as we, as the games and the sessions progress, we're continuously saying, um, you know, I said big monsters, I want giant monsters now. And then you're constantly changing your story. No, it it does it, it evolves, and, and once the story is set, like so that once that first session is over, and we've said, okay, we're going to go to a new world, resources are going to be a problem, and there's going to be giant monsters. Mm -hmm. Like that that's the canvas you've then given to me. Yep. I go back and I, I create a story out of that. But once we're in there, you're going to start filling in the details, like what's the name of the tavern, mm -hmm. or you know, Fatty uh, Freddy Fastfingers is my contact down at the tavern. So you've just created a contact. That I will now incorporate. I think that's too much. I don't. I think that too much of the story is coming from the players. I, I think we're doing it anyways. I think in fate is just more structured. It forces you to do it. That's the difference. Yeah. And that's why I, one of the first things I said to Nico is, I think fate's the game I want to run. I don't know if my players want to play it. Well, how do you think that that's what we're doing already? Uh, we've had situations where Mike said, "What kind of games do you want? Do you want? What kind of game do you want to play?" Well, yes, but then right. that's it. After that, the he comes up with. A story and, but, and enough of a story okay, let's, to let's last. Let's be real. You to told last. me there should be a time machine in the top of the tower. I'm like, no, that's dumb and it's going to ruin the game. And you're like, no, goddamn it, I huh? want a time machine. <laughs> Wait, what? I'm trying to blame you for Made Men. Oh no, <laughs> <laughs> no, but like, that's an, that's an it was so long ago, and I have such a bad memory that I was going, <laughs> really? Did I do that? <laughs> <laughs> no, but the equivalent of this would be like, let's say we said we should play a superhero game in the medieval times. And then we're like, oh, that we did say cool. we want to play a superhero game, and that right. was the first but, beginning but, of Made Men. Before but but the... check this out. And then you, I said, you know what? I've always wanted to have like a bat cave of some sort. And my and everybody's like, yeah, that's a cool idea. We should have like a secret hideout. That's what Mike is saying. And then after that first session, that we're all like brainstorming with our cool ideas, and he's like, oh, we should have like 
horses that can do that can fly with magical items and people are like ah oh, no that's dumb but we want to do this instead um then mike can create the story for sec the second session and then we will kind of already know hey we are going to be superheroes hey we are going to have a secret hideout but we're not going to have flying horses because nobody likes that idea right that's what he's saying which i think we're doing it anyways i think we just give a little bit more freedom from the player perspective and more structure because yeah. faith i think there's it. examples in the book that if you guys you know borrow this or get your own copies well, and i'm you, buying my own and you sure. read some of the examples like there are times where it talks about the player's input and i'm like holy shit the, the player decided that i mean there were moments where as i was like I can't believe the player gets to decide that much of the story. So as a DM, do you feel like too much is being taken out of your hands for how you want the game yeah, to I mean, go? Yeah, th there was a point in me that sort how of... Much of a, how much of a narrative can you really write if, you, if it can be drastically changed from game to game? You know, and part of this me maybe not still not understanding the system well enough, but there was, I mean, there was a part of me that, that was sort of skittish about giving up that much control. Well, right, because you want to be a writer. I do want to be a writer, so and I, I like to tell stories and create stuff. Yeah, so from the beginning, I'm assuming, and I'm sure that you have a very long story mapped out of how you want this to go. I mean, we have the illusion of choice and, choo and choosing, but it's all a, a game to, to redirect us to the end that you want to, to the, this big epic ending that right. you want to happen. And it all works out in the end. Whereas it kind of seems like with this, if you sit down and write a story from beginning to end and then go, okay, this is the pretty much the basis. Some things can change here and there depending on what the players decide, but this is pretty much how I see this story happening with fate it might be a waste because everything could change so right. much in but, between games. And, well, I think, and again, I may not be represented very well. It's not like the players could say there's now two suns. Like all of a sudden there's now an extra sun orbiting the planet or I just multiplied. Yeah. There's seven of me now. That, that's not the type of thing, but, but within the game, um, defining characteristics of NPCs, defining who the bad guys are and what their motivations are, and I, like one of the examples, I think it was like the the the, the wizard guy who has the um, adversaries in the the arcane college. There's an example in there I think where he talks about where he basically creates a, a, an adversary. Like, well, who is that? Well, it's it's Fred, and you know he he and I were in economics together, whatever. And so the the players are creating the things that relate to their characters, but those have to fit in the world. And when you create again, like Fast Eddie, who works at the tavern. Okay, you've now created an NPC that I'm going to use, but you still had that narrative control. So once the game was created, you have a lot of control, but it's not world-ending, story-changing. No, Gandalf is actually my brother, and now oh, you know we're in Middle Earth. But you just have a lot more control within the aspect of the game, to because you're because you add aspects. That's the thing that I still I'm probably not explaining well. So like, let's say that we're down here and we're getting ready to fight. So I flip the table over. Well, in the environment, I've just created the aspect of flipped over table. You can invoke that aspect and use it as cover because now there's a table that you could get behind. Uh, we maybe we set the basement on fire. We have just we've added on fire to the basement. So now we're all in the environment that's on fire. So you could invoke on fire on me because I'm in the environment and say, okay, well because it's on fire, Michael's character is now inhaling smoke and he's coughing and he's he's not going to be able to defend himself well. So you've decided that the NPC is affected by the smoke by invoking the fact that the basement's on fire. 
that's the narrative control that you have in the game that is in D&D, I would, I would say, okay, there's smoke filling the room and the NPCs are starting to cough. I would create that. You can create that in Fate. And that, that's just one of the examples that you could you can do that just you're using what's there, but you're making decisions. And, again, I may not be describing it very but well. No, it, but that, it's like mind-blowing. That blowing. makes more sense now. You need the chips to be able to affect the environment in significant ways. Though, right? you, well, you can create aspects, and then you get to invoke them once for free, if, if I remember correctly, but then other things cost fate, fate chips. So it looks like there is still control, and the control is you can have your input, but only so many times. Well, and, and I can, I still out. can say no. Like if you say right. I want, I can say no. That that's not what I want to happen. But the game is designed to be cooperative, not adversarial. Same thing. Like I could try to. It's called the compel. I could say because it's on fire, you want to run away. And you can say, no, I'm not going to run away because I wouldn't. Okay, it, then, it definitely you know. seems that Fate is a, a lot more uh, social contract-based. So I'll be curious to see how that translates in actual gameplay. If people would get upset or frustrated. Because a lot of times in a game, you might say, man, that kind of sucks in your head. But you're like, well, that's where the story is going. So I guess I'm kind of stuck with it. In this, it might seem like, but there's an either exit in of in the end and I'm going to exit through there because I don't want to be taken away by the guards. Yeah. It can like in it, with D and D next, just for instance, you can't argue with the roll of the dice. Like you're like, well that's my friend is now dead, that's the way the dice fell. I can't argue with that mm-hmm. number and those results. Whereas with this, it kinda seems like there's always an extra door you can open up. And there are elements. It's, I mean, there are still rules. There's mechanics for taking damage, and it's, it's possible to die. But, but one of the things about it, it's also very cinematic-based, and this will be the last point, and then we can wrap this up. But that's one of the things that's never worked well in D&D. I've talked about, like, one, the escape or the chase are two s- scenarios in D&D that I've always struggled with creating a, a, a good encounter out of. So, like, you think about, like, in a movie where the good guys, there's, like, you know, like there's 14 bikers in the bar, and they get into a bar fight. And the, the heroes are doing well, so the bikers all decide to, like, run away. And then all of a sudden, all the bikers are gone, and the heroes are still there. In D&D, you would hunt every one of those people down and kill them. And as they try to run on their bicycle, you know, on their motorcycles, someone would go out and take two shots with the arrows. And, like, it would be a bloodbath rather than that macho, you know, action hero scene. In Fate, the, the bad guys always have the option. They can invoke, say, kind of PCs of conceding. And it's basically saying, okay, I give up. But that doesn't mean you're dead. That just means, okay, they run away. So you could have, you know, three goblins bust out of cover, try to attack you, and when it doesn't work, go, okay, they, they run away, and they just run back into the forest. From a cinematic or storytelling situation, that, that makes sense. It's kind of cool. But in D&D, it would never because, happen that it's way. It's because of how the round system works. Because you say, oh, okay, the goblin is running away. Okay, he moves at 30. Five, I move right? at 35. I'll chase him down and kill and, him. And I have a ranged weapon. So they'll move 30. I'll move 35. I'm still with him. I'm going to. Because I've had situations, especially in four, which is a very um, uh, tabletop based, and you have all the minis. Like you would literally say, I am 40 spaces away from this table, but I can't represent this because you're hunting somebody. You're going after them. Right. And you're like, they're moving 30. I'm moving 30. We have 10 feet of distance. We can never close on each other, but I have a ranged weapon. Or I have 10 daggers, and I'm going to go for 10 rounds. So, again, so in, in the fate, you could have that cinematic moment where the, the bad guys are like, we'll get you next time, and they wipe their 
blood off their chin and they run into the night and the police show up and you're questioned for two hours, but then you get let go, where in D&D you never have that scene. And then you guys can concede as well. Like the example they give is Landon's character who has that sword is he gets knocked out by the bad guy and he's like, okay, I concede. So the bad guy takes his sword and he's like, ha ha, and spits on his body and walks out. So he conceded, so his character's out of the combat, but he doesn't die necessarily, but there's a consequence, and the consequence is that his famous heirloom sword is now stolen. Again, that's a very cinematic type of event that would never happen in D&D because they would so just kill you. So it can allow you to create a story, basically. Yes, it, it's very storytelling, cinematic, which is, again, I think why I'm so attached to it in Amherst. So I think that, that, that fate would be perfect for the game that we're playing now, The New World where everything that we're doing and have been doing for the first few games is all political and story and setting up, you know, rivals and friendships and rivals. And right. I think, yeah, I think in Fate, if you make a purely uh, combat character, you actually might be very bored. Oh, yeah, it would be a waste, I think, because the game is, there's not, there's not combat like in a traditional d and I mean, you just basically have overcome actions and, I mean, that's, you can have combat, but it's not what, like D&D right. That's why I said I want to play a wizard in this game, because the sky is the limit. Yeah. It's uh, how creative are you? So anyway, so I'm well, really excited about it. So we're going to do a 13th age playtest in wh- September. What was his name? Matthew. Matthew, we're uh, sorry we somehow... Well, well, we skipped Razor Storm's question, but we did. An- we talked about Matthew's question. About yeah, we world. somehow used your question to go back and talk more about fate. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it, that's the reason I wanted to do that question, because I thought it dovetailed very well with what we were talking about anyway. So, so again, so, so the last thing I want to say is, like, in, in the 13th Age book, there's a module that comes with it. And when I do the play test, that's what we're going to do, and we're going to play the module that comes with it. It's an introductory adventure, and I think that'll be a good test. I don't know that it would be possible to buy a module on Fate. Like I don't, I don't think there's a it way that work. you could create one. So, so I'm a little bit concerned about all the effort it's going to take to create a story just to play test it. You know, it's like at the same time, think about this: you don't have to create the story. We can all create the story with you, which, in a way, that could add a little bit more creativity for your story. It, it might add. Right. So, that my last question was: Do we want to do like a D and D setting, or do we want to do something like space? I think it would be much cooler to do a non-traditional setting like um, futuristic or space or something. Underwater? Underwater DSV. I don't have any interest in that, but I would not argue. I mean, you know, I'm open to whatever. But I've always wanted to do like a steampunk thing. I think that that's really cool. Um, And I haven't gotten to play in a game like that. So So that might be the setting that we do with Fate. But that could be our session one. We can discuss that. Right. All right, so is that everything we wanted to cover? Or? I think it's funny because that if <laughs> that the creators of that have kind of locked themselves in a profit box because <laughs> now they can only sell, make money off of selling those, they can't expand into uh, modules, modules. And <laughs> because they've made such a good system. All right. It's like, it, I called it GURPS earlier, and I think they're, they're like on the opposite end of the spectrum. GURPS is the system that you can play anything because it has rules for everything. Fate, you can play anything because, because, it, doesn't have because it doesn't have rules for anything. <laughs> like, it's awesome. Like, I'm so excited. I don't know if you guys can hear the smile on my voice talking about this game. Like, I fucking love it. So hopefully I will do it justice when we play it, and then you guys will like it, and we'll just convert our D&D characters into Fate and go from there. I want to play Fate before we play 13th Age, to be honest. I don't see the need to play 13th well, Age. Well, here's the only reason why I feel... 
compel is because I still want to play Thirteenth Age because I think it will be fun D&D. because of the votes. We, we did the... we did a thing on the website where we put a poll up. And most people wanted us to play 13. They didn't know anything about fate then. It was on there. I think it was one of the options. Or I put other. And then the, actually Pelican Press, which is the, 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 the company that um, produced this, also like tweeted and like promoted like, hey, D&D Academy might play test our game. So we got a lot of traffic because of that. So I would feel kind of shitty. Oh, great. I've been talking a bunch of trash about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, they didn't give us any money. But I think yeah, I remember the corporate sponsor. You're not getting <laughs> yeah, yeah. it anymore. Cut, 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 cut. I love Thirteenth Age. <laughs> so, so we're gonna do this in September, and then October I want to do Fate. And if it does go well, then we might just take our campaign and turn it into Fate and go from there. So, all right. So, is there anything left? Because we're already gonna have to cut this in half or do part one, part two. Again. Nope. I think we pretty much covered everything. Cool. All right. Well, this has been Michael and Evan and Nico. See you next time. You can give us feedback and comments at our website, dndacademy.com. You can check out previous podcasts at our website and subscribe to future ones on iTunes. If you have a suggestion for a topic, we'd love to hear it. Email your ideas to podcast at dndacademy.com, and you can connect with us on Twitter at dnd underscore academy. As always, thanks for listening, and remember, if you're having fun, you're doing it right. <laughs>